Aren't you thankful for the grace of God today? The amazing, endless grace of God in our lives. He is so faithful, isn't he? Would you just say a great big amen today? Oh, wow, what a great presence of the Lord is in this house today. And because you're here today and you've come with worship in your heart and, and, uh, and an adoration for the Lord. And I'm just so thankful to see every one of you in this house today. God bless you for being here today. I, I want to take just a moment right now. And uh, we're wall to wall in this room. But, uh, but there are some gaping holes in this place today. Um, I, I text Robin Armstrong yesterday afternoon after I left the hospital at Glenwood where they are. And I text her, I said, I think, I think I'm going to call Glenwood and see if I can rent the chapel there. And we're just all going to come over and have church in Glenwood Hospital. Because three of our, our very faithful, precious families from our church are residing in Glenwood right now. And that's uh, our dear, dear brother Jeffrey Armstrong. And Robin's over there by his side. And I see you at Glenwood. And, uh, Michael Blaylock uh, is in Glenwood right now dealing with some, some mobility and nerve issues. And Jerry Cup and Kay is right by his side. I see their two seats are still vacant right there. Somebody's holding their seats for them. Uh, and they're going to be filling those next week. They're In the name of the Lord, they're going to be sitting in those seats. And Robin and Jeffrey's going to be sitting right up here. And... Um, I want us just as a church family, because Ellen said it a while ago, and she said it perfectly. If we're not anything here at this church, we are family. We are family here, and I want us to carry some of our family to the Lord today. And I, I look back here, I see Paul Hutto sitting here, and, and Keisha's not sitting there beside him because she is caring for her mother right next door at their home that's, that's dealing with, with cancer and, and what looks to be some final stages with hospice care. And, and giving her 24-hour care. I just want to ask the Lord to touch Carol today and, and undergird Keisha with strength and power and infuse that into her life and with this Hunto family. Could we together as a family in your own way, maybe it's a whisper, maybe it's just a bowed head for some, you may pray out loud, but but in our, your own way as a church family, let's just join together and let's lift up our, our family together today. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you, Lord, are the great physician. God, I thank you for medical science and, and the, the giftings that you have given people in this modern age, Lord God, to help bring health and healing and, 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 and freedom in people's bodies, Lord. But today, at the end of the day, God, when it's all said and done, we look to you, the author and the perfecter of our lives and our faith and, and who we are, God, and we say we give all of our loved ones to you, God, those that are hurting, those that are dealing with pain and, and issues in their bodies, Lord God, we give them to you today, Lord, asking you, God, to do what only you can do. We can try to administer care and love and, and, and nurture, Lord God, but only you, God, can bring that wholeness and fulfillment in their lives physically, emotionally, and spiritually, Lord, today. God, today I just ask you to surround Jeffrey and Robin, Lord. May they feel your touch in a very special way today, God. I'm asking for your healing grace, God, the promise that you gave us that by your stripes we are healed and we are made whole, Lord. With Jerry come today, Lord, touch his life, God. Be, be, be the healer in his life, God, so that you receive all of the glory and honor. We ask you to lift up Michael Blaylock today, Lord, and, and be with Molly, Lord, and give them strength, God, during, during these days in the hospital, Lord. And, 
God, today, Carol Bowman, Lord God, and Keisha, God, we ask you, Lord, just to give her strength. God, give her, give her encouragement, God, that only you can give in her life and in her spirit today. And we thank you, God, for who you are. God, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives. And God, every need that's been brought into this room, those unseen things, God, that was spoken of earlier, God, we know that you're able to go to every row, Lord, and every chair in this room, Lord, and begin to administer your healing grace and power. And we know that you're able, Lord. We may never hear the testimony. We may never hear the story. But, God, I'm just believing that there will be those that walk out of this room today. They'll walk and get into their car today, and they won't be the same as when they walked in, Lord God. But you will have done something. Not what a preacher could do, not what any song could ever do, God, but only what you, by your, by your infinite power, is able to do in our lives today and we thank you for it today we give you praise and glory and honor for it all in jesus name would you say together praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord i, I i'm believing for a good report today i'm just believing for some good reports to begin to flood our way today are you standing in faith with me today and believing that amen amen god bless you again for being here today i mentioned it and i'll just say it again real briefly today mark your calendar march the third sunday march the third we want you or at least a representative from your family to be here on that evening we'll be giving you a time between now and then probably five or six in the afternoon we're not going to take a ton of your time but we want you to know about some exciting things that's going to be happening very soon where we're expanding here at the church and, and making more room, for certainly for our worship services, but, but even for other areas, our children and fellowship space and, and just all kinds of great things that's going to be happening here. We want you to know about it ahead of time, and, uh, and, and we're, we're looking forward to that. So March the 3rd, don't forget about that. Let me just begin today with a statement. It's kind of a lengthy statement. And it will, I'm just going to start with the 2% today, if any of you know what I mean when I say 2%. It's that the 2% is, the, is, is what we're going to remember 24 hours from now, I hope, anyway. But, uh, but this one statement, it's a little lengthy. You might want to, if, if you don't mind, maybe type it in your phone or in your notes or use that archaic thing like paper and pen that we used to use years ago and write this down. I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that was not produced from the seed that I did not sow. Can I say it one more time? I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that was not produced from the seed I did not sow. In this room, there's several farmers. There's a lot of gardeners in this room. And so I believe most of us in this room today, we understand this principle. We know if you've ever tried to grow anything, you know this quote very well. Whether you've actually quoted that exact quote or not, you know this. We oftentimes, rightly so, we will, we will set our expectations on our dreams. The things that, that have been birthed in our hearts and the things that we're believing for and hoping for. We set our expectations on those things. And many times we're doing right and we are looking toward those things. But without the doing to make our dreams come to pass, can I just tell you that disappointment is inevitable. Disappointment is going to happen. So for a few minutes today, I just want to talk to us about dealing with disappointment. Dealing with disappointment in our lives. 
You know what the disappointment is in your life. I know what it is in my life, maybe that we're dealing with right now or have. Maybe, maybe that thing that nobody else knows about, not even your spouse knows about, that one thing that you can't really talk about to anyone, even your closest circle. There's a parable that Jesus used, and it's, a, it's an illustration that, that really has all kinds of different applications in it. But, but I want to use today to, I want to use this, this parable today to talk about, to talk about some of the disappointments that we have in our lives that are a result of unwatered dreams in our lives. Jesus comes on the scene and he's teaching and he's preaching on hillsides and he's healing and he's blessing folks and he's feeding mass numbers of people. And yet he's very disappointed in what he has found in the religious community, the church of his day, this this temple system that he's familiar with. He's become very disappointed where he was expecting to see mercy. People were getting trampled upon. Where, where he was expecting uh, to see concern for the, for the downcast and the poor. They were only being used as stepping stones for the religious elite. So the doors that Jesus came to swing wide open have now been barred shut by rules and regulations and traditions. In a sense, he's using this parable to illustrate his own disappointment with the system that was supposed to be a life-giving system, a system that was supposed to produce life for people in his day. And so he begins to break it down to the crowd in a parable. And in Luke 13, verse 6, he says, it says, He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why is it wasting this space? Cut it down. It's not producing anything. But he answered him. The keeper of the vineyard answered him and said, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I, hear this, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. There's a million different ways to interpret this text, but but I'd like to begin with just the most obvious application for our lives. Let me just say it this way. It's got to grow or it's got to go. We need to begin to speak some things about the situations of our lives, about some of our thinking and our perspectives, and we've got to say to ourselves, it's got to grow Or it's got to go. The most obvious thing that stands out here is that God is not interested in allowing unfruitfulness to reign in our lives. And take up valuable space in our lives. He loves us too much than to allow there to be areas of our lives that are just going to sit barren and dormant. Starting from there, I want to back up to the the top where we began reading in verse 6. Where it says a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Can I just say this? I cannot produce what God didn't plant. I can't produce what God didn't plant. It it said that the man planted a fig tree in his vineyard and he came looking for figs because he planted a fig tree. Because that's what you look for on a fig tree is figs. 
You thought you were really going to be enlightened today, didn't you? You really thought you were going to get a a deep, great revelation today. He came looking for figs because it was a fig tree. He wanted to pick what he planted. God never picks what he did not plant. And a lot of the times when we're disappointed and we're frustrated in our lives, it's because we're trying to produce apples when God planted figs. We're trying to produce something that God didn't plant in our lives. And so now we find ourselves exhausted and weary and we're discouraged and we're heavy hearted and we're feeling like a failure because we're trying to grow oranges and we're not in Florida. We're in Winsboro, Louisiana. What I love about God is this. People will try to pick you apart. They'll try to pick apart everything about our lives And they are not a real, and they don't understand the real purpose of our lives and why we are here, why God put us here. God will never do that. Anytime he picks something, you can bet that he's the one who planted it in our lives. So for all of the mothers in this room today who are feeling frustrated about raising children in today's world, I want all of you to understand today that God picked you to raise your child in this day. It is an honor. God planted that child in your house because he knew that you could handle the challenges that would come with that. God picked you. He wouldn't have put that child in your, in your house if he didn't pick you to raise that child. We have so many families in our church. We are one of those families who, who are, who are now find ourselves raising children with special needs in their lives. I want to, and so many people will look at, at people raising children with special needs and say, oh, that, that's so sad and how pitiful and I, uh, uh, look at what they're having to go through and look at what they're having to deal with. I want to tell you today, it is an honor. Are there challenges? Absolutely. Or have, has life had to be adjusted in certain ways? And there's things that we have to, are there fears that creep into to your mind and worrying about the future? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I say, God, thank you that you entrusted me. You picked us to raise this special child. Thank you. But people will try to pick apart things about our lives that are not the real purpose of our lives and future. And so much of our fear and our anxiety, it comes from trying to meet that unstated and and, and imaginary expectations of people who don't even know what's in us. They don't know what's planted in us. A good question for all of us to answer today is this, is have we been so busy trying to meet their expectations that we've neglected God's? Have we been so busy trying to meet everybody else's expectations in our lives that we forgot and we neglected the one, the one who planted purpose in our lives, the ultimate one who has the ultimate plan and purpose for our lives? And now we find our growth stunted because we're trying to produce something that wasn't planted in us. Trying to be somebody we're not. Trying to excel in something that we're not even called to. Have you ever been around someone who is, who is trying to become something that God didn't begot? 
You ever seen that? It, it's, it's, it's really, it's exhausting. It's awkward. It, 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 it's even, it, it's even embar- you get embarrassed for them because they're saying stuff. They don't even know what they're talking about because they're just trying to portray to you and me. They're trying to become something that God never planted in there. So it's going to be awkward and it's going to be weird. and It's going to sound dumb. They're trying to have something on the branches that's not in the genetic code of the seed. And we can't do that. And we'll never be able to produce what we could have produced because we're too busy trying to produce what we'll never produce. If you didn't catch that, let me say it one more time and then try to say it five times real fast. We'll never be able to produce what we could have produced because we're too busy trying to produce what we'll never produce. So I guess the the simplest way to say this is, do you... Do you. Look at your neighbor and say, do you. I got to tell you to kind of make this a little personal today. I'm so thankful for what God has done over the course of the last almost 17 years in our church. Planted in May of 2002. And God, we've seen growth and we've seen God do some tremendous things, seen and unseen. And, 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 and what, what this church, the life-giving force that this church has been to our community. And, and, and seeing the powerful things that have happened in people's lives and, and, and all of the wonderful things that, that, have, that, have, that have gone on. And, and I tell you, it began with a dream. It began with a, with a vision in, in my heart first. And then it began to spread into others. And it's not about Kevin Bates. It's not about me or what I do, but, but that is kind of where this particular ministry was birthed, was, was in my heart. And, and so I'm not saying that to be boastful anyway. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm kind of going to lay my, lay my heart out for a second and tell you that, that, that I'm thankful that God picked me for this particular mission. I, I, I'm thankful that this is what he planted in Kevin Bates. I'm, I'm thankful for what he has put here. But can I be honest with you and tell you, I get so nervous. I am extremely intimidated by the mission and by the vision and the dream. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I get super nervous and intimidated about just standing right here in front of you and talking to you today. I'll just go and peel the curtain back and tell you a little bit about what goes on in the heart and the mind of Kevin. It starts about, it starts about late afternoon on Friday. I don't live for the weekend like most of y'all live for the weekend because I know what's going to start happening about mid-evening on Friday. I start getting nervous. I start getting butterflies in my stomach and I'm like, oh God, I got to stand before all those people and try to deliver something that I feel like you've inspired and put in my heart. And I start getting nervous and my Saturdays are not enjoyable at all because I'm so nervous. And yes, I'm enjoying his word and I'm, I'm trying to glean everything I can to deliver. But, but, but it's so intimidating and it's so, it's so nerve wracking for me because it's so much bigger than who I am. But I have to continually remind myself in those moments, that God picked me to do what I do. I have to remind myself of that, that with all of my shortcomings and with all of my weaknesses and with all of my inadequacies and with my stuttering self and all of that, that God picked me. I understand that there are much better preachers than me and there are much better pastors than me and most preachers out there are much more effective communicators than I am. But I'm not doing this because I'm good at it. 
I'm here today because God planted in the soil of my heart a destiny. And if I manifest the destiny that he put inside of me, I won't have to worry about the expectations of others because I only have one to please, and that's the one who planted me. And everything that he has planted in you and in me will come to pass. If God planted it, it will come to pass. It's not going to produce anything else other than what he planted. I really hope this is going to set some of us free today. We weren't made to make apples. We weren't, we weren't, we're not supposed to produce oranges. We live in Winsboro, Louisiana. We're supposed to produce cotton and corn. We're in Winsboro, Louisiana. We're in Richland Parish and Franklin Parish and Caldwell Parish. We need to produce what was planted in us for the glory of God. In this parable, there's this one tree. There's this one tree that won't do what it's supposed to do. And it says that the owner of the vineyard, he walked up to that one tree. The NIV says it this way, if you want to look at it later. The NIV says that he had a fig tree growing in the vineyard. The the New King James that I read to you earlier doesn't say that word, but the NIV says it was growing in the vineyard. This is interesting because... This means that externally, externally it was getting taller, but there was nothing beneath the leaves. It it, it says that the tree was growing, but it wasn't really growing. It was growing, but it wasn't fruitful. It, It was becoming something really pretty to the eye, but it was just leaf deep. It was not within. It was producing outward beauty, but no fruit. I feel like this is us sometimes. We're learning to cover our own disappointments and we learn to cover our own disillusionments with the appearance of growth. But the owner checked beneath the leaves. He checked beneath the leaves and he says, this isn't working. It's not growing. He went to look for fruit on it and he didn't find any. I began today by saying that we don't have the right to be disappointed about the fruit that was not produced from the seed that we did not sow. But can I just say this? It's really it's a really disappointing thing when you reach for something that you did plant and it isn't there. When you raised your kids the right way and they still went the wrong way. When you did all the right things and your life still fell apart. When you took all the right steps And the marriage still ended in divorce. I planted something that now isn't being produced. And so he comes up to the tree. I I, I love the guy who's managing the vineyard. I love the keeper of the vineyard because the guy who owns the vineyard tells this manager, he tells the keeper of the vineyard, he says, what I planted and what the tree is producing, these two are not reconciling with one another. And most people in this situation would begin to make excuses. If we're all to be honest, this is the place where we begin to make excuses. We'll see the tree is having problems because the soil's not right. It's just, it's just not the right kind of ground. But the problem with that is it was a vineyard, which means there were other trees. There were more trees. And, 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 and if, we're, if we start making excuses about the environment... That excuse isn't going to hold up very long because we have to look around and see that there are other trees flourishing in the same 
environment. A lot of times we want to use our environment as an excuse as to why we're not growing. But I grew up without a dad in my life. I hate that. We we live in a fatherless society. But I'm tired of hearing 60 and 50 year old people give the excuse of why they didn't raise up with a dad. What about the others who are growing and succeeding and producing and are fruitful and are living a life full of purpose who grew up without a father in their life? But see, it's so, e- it's so much easier many times for us just to blame where we're planted. Let me just blame the environment. If the truth be known, I don't think there's any of us in this room that are in that place. I don't think there's anybody here today that's doing that. But if you are, if you are, I want to remind you that somebody not very far from where you're sitting and where I'm standing right now, there is somebody who has less than we have and is doing much more with it. If we're at that place where we're blaming our environment and we're trying to blame everything else, we're playing the victim and we're staying the victim. Somebody, there's somebody maybe sitting on the row with you right now. If that's you, there's somebody sitting on the row with you right now who has less money than you do and has more joy than you do. Again, I'm not preaching to anybody here today. I don't believe anybody that applies to anybody. But just in case, there's somebody that's sitting close to you who has a lower level of employment than you do, yet has more influence. And if we're ever going to grow and get past using our disappointment as a dead end for what what we can't grow, we're going to have to stop blaming the soil for the reason that we're not strong. We're going to have to quit making excuses. We're going to have to quit blaming the environment. People leave jobs all the time, left and right. You know those people, they've gone through 30 jobs in 12 months, and it's always the same excuse. Those people just don't like me. I, 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 hear, I, I hear people say this. Don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being harsh here today when I say this. I, I realize that in the, in the world that we live in today and, and in the church, the American kind of Bible Belt church culture that we live in today, I realize that there are places and where people have taken over God's work and they, they've kind of taken control of things. And in those kind of environments, the spirit just dies, okay? It's not because they sing out of hymn books. It's not because they're traditional. That's not why the spirit died. The spirit dies because man tried to take over God's stuff. I realize that. I also realize that there are some church environments that has just gotten toxic And there is no way that you can remain in that situation. It's more of a detriment to your spiritual life than it is a a growth and an enhancement in your spiritual life. I realize that. But here's something I hear a lot from folks. I hear this a lot. I had to leave that church because I just wasn't growing there. Uh, The preacher was fine and the music was fine and the people were fine. Everybody was nice. I just wasn't growing there. Maybe it wasn't the quality of the soil that kept us from growing. Maybe it was the depth of our root in that soil that caused our tree not to bear fruit. So it's in those kind of moments when nothing around us is helping us grow, when nothing around us seems to be the thing that's our fix. Maybe it's in those moments we just need to look in the mirror and say, grow. For me, sometimes I got to look in the mirror and say, grow up, man up. Develop a relationship with God for yourself and begin to grow in God even when nothing in your environment is doing it for you. In other words, grow where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. Most of the times, we don't need a new environment. We don't need different soil. We just need a new approach. 
where, where we start taking what's been given to us and what's been invested in us and get down deep into the soil where we're already planted, grow where we are planted. The manager or the keeper of the vineyard said to the owner, Sir, I'm not going to make excuses about this. You're absolutely right. This tree had the opportunity to grow and it did not. Not making excuses. But listen to what he says in verse 8. He said, I need to dig around it. I need to dig around it. Here's an important thing for all of us to realize today. We all have that thing that isn't being produced in our lives. We have that area of our life where we're, where we're not seeing the fruit. We have that place in our lives where we're not seeing any progress. We thought that we would by now. We really thought that we would be advanced at this point. But there's no fruit. There's no progress. There's that addiction that we've never been able to really overcome. There's that one area where we, where we, it seemed like we got over it for a few weeks, but then, but then we're right back to it again and it's back and forth. We all have our stuff. We all have our things. But as long as we're looking at the level of the leaves, we're never going to solve the problem where it starts. Hear this. This isn't mine. I stole it because it's too good to be mine. The place where it shows is not the place where it grows. The place where it shows is not the place where it grows. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were experts at arranging the leaves of the religious system. Everything looked wonderful. The tassels on their robes were perfectly kept. The words from their mouth were so eloquent. But Jesus said, there's a root problem. There's a root issue. You're, you're looking at the stuff on the outside. You're looking at where it shows. But I'm wanting to go where it grows. And that's why here at Life Church, that's why we're not talking about behavior modification a lot around here. We're not saying get right or get left and you've got to do all this stuff and don't do no more of this stuff and don't use improper English anymore, whatever. I don't, but, but don't use double negatives. I hear, I hear Miss Etzel coming back from the grave right now and, 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 and hit me over the head with that. But here we're not, we, we want to preach to the heart and not the behavior. We, we, want, to, we want to speak to the belief and not just the behavior, because every behavior is driven by a belief. And to really understand why life isn't fruitful, I'll have to dig around a little bit this year, the gardener said, the keeper said. Because for the last 32 years, I've been blaming the soil. But not been willing to get my hands dirty and to dig around it. And find out what's the root problem. What's the real root of this? This is where I had to start asking myself the hard questions. Why am I so angry with my kids all the time? Is it because of their behavior? Or, or is it because I'm embarrassed of how they're making me look? Why am I really so frustrated with my spouse all the time? Is it my frustration with her or with him? Or is it the frustration that I have with myself that is easier to project on her. Because if I project it on her, I don't really have to deal with me anymore. I don't have to go to the root. It's called digging around it. We have to start asking ourselves the hard questions. But can I just tell you that a, a life-giving, a good word, 
from God, a living word from God, a a, a time in his presence in worship. That's why we do what we do. We may have gone through our week and, and really not meaning to, not purposely, but we just got so busy with life. That's the reason why we assembled together today. That's why we sang the songs that we sang. That's why there's a word being preached today. It's to remind us. It's to bring us back to that place because, because a word from God and, and, and a moment in his presence and worship will begin to excavate the things in our lives that have been buried, that have kept us, kept our, our tree barren and kept us from bearing fruit. I got to dig around it. That's what we do in worship. That's what we do when we begin to open our hearts up. A good question for all of us to answer is, when's the last time we really let God dig into our lives? When's the last time that we just let him wheel us into the, into the operating room and, and come under the hand of the surgeon and allow him to open and dig into our lives? When's the last time? Because it's painful. It's painful to expose the roots to water. It's painful It's painful when we begin to dig away at the soil. It's painful when we begin to mess things up. I mean, you've got to mess things up sometimes for things to get better. It it requires digging around it. It requires confessing some things. Maybe not to someone else. You don't have to put it on a billboard. But where when we allow him to take us into the operating room, we can begin to confess some things. I feel this way. I've been looking at life this way. God, I need you to excavate some stuff out of my life. I know I said I got fired from the last three jobs because they didn't like me. But maybe if all three jobs didn't like me, I might need to be looking at something else other than all the jobs. Your kid says, I failed that class because the teacher didn't like me. But if they failed four other classes in the same semester, maybe it's not the teacher. Maybe it's not the soil. Because all the other trees are growing. Everybody didn't fail. And other people have been working on those same, in those same companies and on those same jobs for the last 20 years. It might be me. It might be me. It might not be everybody else. When I was going through that really tough time and nobody reached out to me and nobody called me, can I just say it might be me? It might be me. It might be me that never picked up the phone and called someone else and reached out to others whenever they were going through something. It might be me. It's called digging around it. It's called just getting honest with ourselves and getting honest with God. It's allowing him to prune. It's allowing him to excavate. It's just allowing him to do a work in us. To bring conviction. I know this isn't popular preaching today. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens today, but it's true. And I know it's true because I've lived it and I live it every day. I love it when he hurts me sometimes. I love it when he just begins to break up the soil around my life. I, I hate it and I love it all at the same time. I have a love-hate relationship with that, with that experience. But at the end of the day, in the end of the day, it's producing and it's bringing fruit and it's bringing what he placed there to begin with. Digging around it requires us to look at ourselves. It forces us to look at the real reason, the root reason. Why do I really spend more money than what I make? Is it because they say I'd never make it and now I've got to prove to them that I did make it even though I really didn't? I can just, I can just put some leaves out there that makes everybody think that I made it. I truly believe this. I just jotted this in my notes here. I really believe this. That just like in the parable, just like in the parable, I believe, I've been believing this before we even crossed over into the threshold of 2019. I believe, I've been believing that this is going to be a year of growth. It's going to be a year of growth. 
We didn't, we didn't come out of the chute this year in 2019 preaching excitement and, 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 and jubilee and celebration. We didn't do that this year. We came out talking about the real issues of life, the choices that we have to make, the mindsets that we got to have, because I truly believe this is going to be a year of growth. It's going to be a time of, of digging around it. But that means that we've got to get down deeper than where we've ever been before. We've got to address things at the root level in our lives. I've got to look at why I continue to lash out. I can't just continue to presume that it's everybody else's problem the way that the world is treating me. I've got to dig. I've got to dig around it. I can't grow if I don't dig. I can't grow higher if I don't go deeper. If I don't bow my knees and say, God, only you, only you can fix this. Only you can bring what was originally supposed to be planted here in my life. That's why worship is so powerful. Because worship has the ability. Worship has the ability to get down deep into the places of our lives that nothing else can touch. And if the tree's going to get water at the root, it has to be dug out around it. So when we, di- when we begin to worship God, when we begin to sing songs like, I am a child of God, even though, even when we feel like we are a slave to fear, even in those moments, we begin to proclaim and declare, I am a child of God, it begins to create exposure for our roots to get water from the Word of God, living water. And when the Word hits those roots, it starts to grow. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your life starts to be filled with real life and real purpose. Because we expose ourselves in the presence of God. Every time we enter into worship, God can dig a little bit more. And every time we ingest God's word and we meditate on that word, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, every time we do it, God can dig just a little bit more. Every time we position ourselves to allow him to dig just a little bit more, God will release a word. He'll bring, he'll bring living water into those barren places and expose what's been wrong all these years. So the keeper of the vineyard said this. He said, let me, let me dig it. Can you dig it? Let me dig at it a little bit. Let me do the hard work before you cut it down. Don't you think it's so interesting? I I wish I had more of the mindset of this keeper of the vineyard than what I do. Because don't you think it's very interesting how that we give up on others so easily when God has been so patient with us? Isn't it amazing how I can just lose my top because you cut me off in traffic or got my front parking space or whatever? And yet, if I would just take one glimpse at Calvary, what has he done for me? He said this, he says, the keeper of the vineyard, the manager, he said, he said, let's give it another year. Let's give it another year. He said, I'm going to do two things. There's two things I'm going to do. It's found in verse 8. He said, I'll dig it and I'll fertilize it. I will dig it and I will fertilize it. And I'm going to tell you what I wanted to do at this point in the sermon. 
what I wanted to do was get some true blue, real, none of that synthetic stuff, real organic fertilizer. And I wanted to put it in the return ducts, the return air, and have it shooting out of the ducts at just the right moment. I wish there was a way to do that. If you go to Disney, some of the, some of the shows and rides, you go, I mean, it's, it's all interactive. I mean, they, they, they literally create smells and, and all kinds of things that, that happen, and so you really feel like you're there. I, at this moment, I wanted us to really experience what, what it feels like to be right up in the middle of a bunch of fertilizer. <laughs> you ever felt like you were up in the middle of a bunch of fertilizer? You feel like you're there right now? Hey, can, can, can I just get a little more gross, if you don't mind? I mean, the King James, I read from the New King James, but the King James Version, if you go into your Bible app or whatever, or you have a King James, read the same verse. He says, I want to dig at it, and I'm going to dung it. I'm going to dig it, and I'm going to dung it. See, everybody wants the fruit but nobody wants the fertilizer. Okay, everybody wants the fruit, but we don't like the stinky stuff, do we? I want to develop, but I don't want to dig. What's God going to do if I ask him to grow my life? I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to dig it, and he's going to fertilize it. That means there's going to be some stuff that he's going to have to allow to be shoveled on my life that I didn't order up. It wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't what I set in motion for my life. You know how God deals with disappointment in our lives? He gives us a big shovel full of disappointment and teaches us how to deal with disappointment. I'm going to dig it and I'm going to fertilize it. It's a process in our lives. And it's a process that's probably going to play out something like this. Maybe sometime this next week, maybe sometime over the coming days or weeks, some stuff's going to pull up in your driveway. Some stuff's going to pull up in your life that you were not expecting. It's not going to smell good. It's not going to feel good. It's going to feel smothering at times. And before you would have labeled that moment, before you would have called it failure, But when we understand that God is the gardener of our lives and that he's working on these things that we can't see to address issues in the places that we can see. When we begin to understand that he is the author and the perfecter, when we begin to understand that we are never absent from his hand, we are always in the palm of his hand, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it smells like, we realize that even our failure becomes fertilizer when it's in God's hands. My failure is fertilizer. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't keep failure from coming. It just turns our failure into fertilizer. That's what it does. It's not failure. It's just fertilizer. Has life dumped on you lately? Has life dropped something off on you that's smothering you? Have you felt buried by some things that came your way? I want to remind all of us today that the very thing that was meant to bury you was the very thing that God is going to use to bring you to a new place and produce new fruit in your life. Because everything in his presence has changed into something that can grow me. 
something that can change me, something that can sanctify me, something that can make me whole, and it teaches me how to trust, and it teaches me how to wait upon him, and it fortifies me, and it builds my character, and now I have hope that will not disappoint. So thank you, devil. Thank you, disappointment. Thank you. Thank you, rejection, for this for this shovel full of bad news that I got in my life. It's nothing but fertilizer to make my faith in God grow. I'm going to praise him that much more now. Bring it on, Satan. Not today, Satan. Get your t-shirt out. I'm going to grow. I'm growing. When I'm hurting, I'm growing. When I'm confused, I'm growing. When I'm uncertain about the future, I'm growing. When I'm persecuted, Jesus said it this way. He says, get happy when they talk all about you and say all kinds of bad stuff about you. That means you're in good company because they're doing it to me too. The only way the church could grow was through persecution. And the only way my life can grow is to go through some things that should have killed me, but instead they made me stronger at the root. At the moment, I wasn't seeing, I was, my limbs weren't hanging down with all the fruit, but I was getting stronger where you couldn't see it. My roots are getting stronger. I'm like a tree planted by the streams of water. I yield fruit in its season. My leaf does not wither. Whatever, it, whatever I do, it will prosper because I'm planted in the place and I'm fortified in the right soil and my faith knows how to take fertilizer and produce fruit. I'm closing. It's a real closing, I promise. Not, not trying to fool you or pick, pick with you today. I'm really closing. The owner of the vineyard said this. He said, cut it down. Cut it down. The keeper of the vineyard, the manager, he stood on the other side of the tree and said, let it live. Cut it down. Let it live. Cut it down. Let it live. Justice says, cut it down. It's messed it all up. Cut it down. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Cut it down. That's what justice says. That's what justice does. You just go sit in any courtroom. Unless you have a really, really merciful judge, in most cases, justice says, you did the crime, you do the time. Cut it down. But mercy stood up and said, let it live. Justice said, cut it down. But mercy said, let it live. Could it be that we're seeing in this passage, in this parable, that Jesus is showing, could it, could it be that this is a picture of the mercy of God in our lives? Grace said, give it another chance. Where justice would have cut it down. Grace said, let it grow. Let it live. This makes me think about another tree. It was a cursed tree. The cursed tree where they hung Jesus. And he hung on that tree. And he became the spotless lamb. He became the perfect sacrifice. And he died. He gave his life. He shed His blood. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. And the manager of the vineyard said, Give me one more year. Give me one more year. Give me one more chance. Give me one more shot. 
Jesus came to extend to you and me the grace of God that we did not deserve, but that he so freely gave. Because where justice should have cut us down, mercy let us live. Where justice should have cut us down, mercy let us live. I want to let every person under the sound of my voice today in this room know that you are not a disappointment to God. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how fruitless your tree looks. I don't care how much growth has been stunted in your life. You are not a disappointment to God. He foresaw and he foreknew every failure and he accounted for it. He knew some things about our lives that we are just now figuring out. And he said, even those things that you want to hide are the very things that I'm willing to dig around so that you can grow to become everything I saw in my mind concerning you before you were ever even born. We have within us the incorruptible, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. It's within every one of us. And nothing that life can throw on it can keep it from growing. Nothing that your ex-spouse can throw on it can keep it from growing. Nothing that an absentee parent or an abusive spouse threw on it can keep it from growing. Nothing that any failure in our past threw on it can keep it from growing. Because we are grounded in grace. And grace stepped down from heaven and dug around the root system of our heart and our life. This is what grace did. Grace rolled up his sleeves and said, let me go to work on this. Let me do what only I can do. I know they've been trying to grow on their own efforts. I know they've been trying to grow in their own strength and in their own will. But this is a job for grace. And this is a job for mercy. Only grace can dig out all those issues, all those fears, all those insecurities. Only grace. Only grace. Would you stand with me today across this room? I I, want to declare a couple things before we leave today. I want to proclaim some things over all of our lives today before we go. And I declare that the next time we see each other, we're not going to look the same. I declare that the next time I see you, you won't look the same. The next time that we see each other, our limbs are going to be a little bit heavier with fruit. I declare that today. I I believe that today. I just want to prophesy that today over every one of our lives. That the next time, if I bump into you at Walmart tomorrow, our limbs are going to be just a little bit heavier carrying the fruit in this season, in this time, in this moment. We're allowing God to begin to dig around us and pour the fertilizer in our lives. It wasn't meant to destroy us. It was meant to develop us. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to man up. It's time to stop blaming the soil. It's time to stop blaming the path. It's time to stop blaming myself. It is time to get past my failure. It's time to quit listening to the voices of everybody else. It's time to surrender to the great surgeon and say, come, dig around my life. Come, pour into my life. Develop me. I want to grow. It's time to grow. In Jesus' name, let's sing together today. I'm no longer the slave to fear. Yes, Lord. Oh, 
As we go today, O Lord, go with us. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day. Filled with hope, filled with anticipation, filled with trusting and believing for our tomorrows. Bless every family, bless every household. As we go, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.